Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are, that you are our good and gracious King. We praise you that you are untrammeled by any of the ebbs and flows of our world and the complications of a, a pandemic and all the things that we face, Father. Your purposes prevail. And we pray, Father, as we hear your word now, the word of our King, that we would hear those plans and purposes and that we would line ourselves up with it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please do, uh, hopefully you've got a Bible with you there. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 3 that was uh, read for us before very impressively. It's, uh, I think, one of the more challenging chapters of the Bible uh, to read uh, with all the names. And you may have uh, that sermon outline uh, with you as well. That may help as we go through this chapter together. Nehemiah chapter 3. Uh, but let me start with this. In John chapter 5, Jesus is uh, working to bring restoration uh, through his ministry. And, and there's an incredibly moving scene at the start of the chapter where he meets a man that, who's been broken for some 38 years. And just with a word, Jesus restores this man back to wholeness again. It is quite a moment, but if you read through the rest of John chapter 5, it provokes all sorts of heated debate amongst the religious elite and experts of the time. Who does he think he is to be doing this sort of work? Uh, Jesus gives a striking answer in John chapter 5, verse 17. My father is always at work to this very day, and so I too am working. A restoration is the essential work of God in our world. It is what he has been about since the fall. It is what he will continue uh, through all time. Uh, lately, uh, here in Sydney, there's been a, a lot of talk, hasn't there, about what constitutes essential work. And it has shone a light on uh, much unseen work that, that perhaps we neglect or don't even notice. And yet, uh, without it, we are unable to function as a society. Essential work. And what this book of Nehemiah has been doing as we've been reading it together is it's shining a light on the essential work that God is doing in our world that perhaps in our busyness uh, we lose sight of. Last week, you may remember uh, Josh as he preached read from uh, Revelation 21 and we saw the end goal of the essential work that, that God is uh, undertaking in our world. Listen to these words from Revelation 21. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. That, that's where the building project is heading to. And, and Nehemiah is reminding us that, uh, that it is a rebuilding project, a restoration project, a restoring that which is broken and that's important for us to see because the reality is our world is very much a broken world, a world disordered and spoilt by our own human sin. Uh, listen to these words from Paul Tripp in a book uh, about that very thing, simply called Broken Down House. Uh, the world you live in is a lot like a broken down house. Every single room has been damaged by sin. Not one part of it shines with anything like the glory that was so evident when it was first made. Sin has left this world in a sorry condition. But it is more than a broken down house. It is a broken down house in the process of being restored. And if you read through the scriptures uh, from the opening pages all the way through to that uh, quote we had from Revelation 21, we, we, we read the unfolding story of God's restoration project. Uh, 
You go back to Genesis 3 and you see where everything got broken in disorder because of human sin, our decision to reject God's ways, our decision to go our own way, and everything got broken. Uh, Genesis 6, just a few chapters on, as, as the world's brokenness really does unravel, uh, we see God, well, weeping over his creation. <laughs> and yet, Genesis 12, we see his uh, relentless response to the brokenness in our world, his promise to restore, his promise to br bring blessing where there is curse, the promise of restoration to be with him in his place again. Trace your way through the whole of the Old Testament and that essential work of restoration continues. But along the way, if you read through the Old Testament, it always seems partial and temporary. And yes, the weeping continues. Uh, read through the story of God's people in the promised land and then having to leave the promised land uh, because of their sin. Uh, this is the picture of them. Uh, listen to this from uh, Psalm 137, verse 1. We, we find them out of their place again, out of the place that God has given them to dwell with him. And, and yes, they're weeping. And so it is with Nehemiah. As they return from that exile, as he looks at the city of Jerusalem and what it has become in the exile, he weeps over God's city. And yet again, the restoration project continues. But, but here's a spoiler alert, and we're only three chapters into Nehemiah. When you reach the end of the book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah's time in this restoration project, uh, the, the results are still temporary. The results are still partial. And yes, the weeping continues. As we read Nehemiah, we are seeing a pattern of how this restoration project takes place, but we're not seeing the fulfilment of it. And it's meant to direct our eyes forward to see how that restoration pattern is finally and wonderfully fulfilled in the work of the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself, as, as we've seen in uh, recent weeks, who looked over that same city as Nehemiah looked over and he weeps over Jerusalem too, as Nehemiah did. But he knows that he has come, as he says there in John 5.17, to do the Father's work, to finish the restoration project. And at its simplest, it's a project that the New Testament simply calls this, the church. That's what God is building. That's his restoration project. And of that project, Jesus says this in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. In these last days that we live in, the days following the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, God is building. He's building as he has always built calling people back to himself, calling people back to his place, calling people back under his good rule. And he's doing all of that by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will continue to make that call, to be about that work, and until we, the restoration project reaches that fulfillment, that, that end point that we read in Revelation 21. And I wonder if it struck you in Revelation 21, that's the moment the tears stop. That's the moment the weeping will be no more. That's the moment we look forward to. And I have to say, in the midst of a pandemic, when, when the very heart of God's purposes, which is his people dwelling together with him, is not physically possible for us, it's, it's appropriate to feel the grief of that at the moment. It's appropriate to long for the day, not just when we can come out of restrictions and be physically together again, but to long for the day when, well, there will be no more restrictions and there will be no more weeping. Instead, we will be gathered and we will be singing before the God who has brought this work about. 
And so as we've been studying Nehemiah, we're seeing this building project up close and we're seeing it at a particular phase in the construction of it. Uh, and the, the purpose of that is to see then how it is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. And so today, as we look at Nehemiah 3, I, I simply want us to see, and you'll see this on the outline, two things. I want us to see what type of work God is doing in our world. And then secondly, who does the work? Now let's look at the first of those, what type of work? Uh, zoom in on Nehemiah and his part in the project. Uh, and what we'll do from zooming in then is we'll, we'll look at that in light of the finished work of Jesus and we'll be able to see our part in the project. I wonder if you felt this as it was read earlier, Nehemiah 3. Uh, reading it is not an automatically exciting experience, is it? It's a bit more like someone has opened the Jerusalem phone book and has read uh, sections of that to us. Uh, it's easy to hear it and think, yeah, I get it. A whole bunch of people got together and they built a wall. So what? Yet, our God has seen fit to record the detail for us because this is no ordinary project. This is his restoration project. This is the story of those who rebuilt the broken Jerusalem. These are the stories of 38 names that were, and countless that aren't named here gathered in well, 42 walking, working groups around that map that you can see there are spread throughout the seven regions of Jerusalem, but they're all united in this building project that God has set them. I wonder if you notice as it was read, one word appears over 30 times in the chapter. One word to describe the the type of work that God has set them to do. Uh, let me read a little section and, and you'll, you'll pick it up there. Have a look at verse 4. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Mashalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs next to him. Zadok, the son of Bana, also made repairs. And you see the word that keeps repeating? This is a repair project. This is not a project where they're using perfect raw materials to construct sort of architecturally stunning walls. No, this is about uh, taking what is broken and making it whole and purposeful again. And yet keep reading Nehemiah and we see, as I said before, that in the end the result is temporary and partial in its fulfilment. Still... As we read these words in Nehemiah 3, we have the privilege of looking back down that path of fulfillment, seeing what God would yet do uh, through his son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, we have the assured joy of knowing that he who promised this good work would happen has carried it through to completion. God's decisive end game in this building project comes with Jesus' declaration again, Matthew 16, I will build my church, God's people gathered together. That's his project. And he says, I'll build it and nothing, not even the gates of hell will be able to overcome it. God builds on the only solid foundation there is, not bricks and mortar or doors and bolts and bars as we have here in Nehemiah 3, but the death and resurrection of his son, the Lord Jesus. God builds by taking people like us uh, who are dead in sin and, and heading to judgment and, and through faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus, we, we find ourselves forgiven and free to live again with him in his place under his rule as he's purposed for us. That's how he's completing his restoration project in our time. And it's a work carried out by a word that God speaks into his broken world, uh, a world the, the, the word of the Lord Jesus. Our other reading that, that was read for us, Ephesians 4, tells us that God is going about this building project by, by raising up people to speak his word into the church, this, this building project that he has for a very clear purpose. 
and it echoes the purpose of Nehemiah 3. Uh, if you've got Ephesians 4 there, uh, flick to Ephesians 4 verse 12, and you'll, you'll see there it, the purpose of speaking this word to build his church is to prepare God's people. Or more literally, do you know what the word is? Repair God's people. To mend them. Uh, it's a Greek word that, that has the picture of a, a fishing net that's all been torn apart and, and ruptured and now needs to be knitted back together to be purposeful again. That's what God's word is doing. It's repairing us just like they did the wall in Nehemiah 3. It's spectacular to think of what the church is, isn't it? He is taking people in need of repair like you and me. And as his word does his work on us, it mends us so that we too are brought into this work of rebuilding others. Which brings us to this second question, who does the work? And Nehemiah 3 gives two answers to that question, to the who question. The answer is this, everyone does it and they do it together. Nehemiah, as he goes into uh, uh, chapter 3, as he finally goes into Jerusalem and begins this project, he hasn't gone into Jerusalem alone, has he? Uh, he's not there singing with a hammer, nail and a piece of wood, I'll build a small house. No, it's a mighty project. And so it takes a mighty partnership. Have a look at verse 17 of Nehemiah chapter 3. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites, Beside them, Hashabiah carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen. Next to them, Ezar repaired another section. Next to him, Baruch zealously repaired another section. Don't you love that? Baruch zealously repaired. I'd love to see him at work. Uh, the work is immense, but you zoom in on the detail and what you see is builder after builder after builder, side by side, right next to each other, each about their task, but they're, but they're doing it together. And as God built the wall in Jerusalem, he continues to build to this very day in the same way, everyone and together. Uh, the book of Ephesians that we read from just before, if you go back to Ephesians 2, uh, we're reminded of this purpose that God has given us. Uh, listen to this from Ephesians 2 verse 10, uh, 8 and 10, sorry. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And again, in Ephesians 4, verse 12, that purpose of God's word repairing you uh, is what? Well, it's to prepare you to be part of this work, to join this restoration project side by side with each other. That's what he's doing. He's building blocks, but not mortar and, and bricks, but people to serve side by side with each other. And the picture of that work now in the church is just like the picture here in Nehemiah 3. And zoom in here uh, to any part of the work here at St Andrews and what you see is a partnership of builders, those serving next to each other, side by side, just as we saw in Nehemiah 3. I mean, consider the building work that we were doing together as a church but before lockdown, if you, if you can remember back to then. Uh, those serving at prime time, uh, everyday English, scripture in the bush school, the the Stand, uh, Club 66, Vine Fridays, Vine Sundays, uh, music, maintenance, mainly music, morning tea and mentoring, the five M's of, well, ministry here at St Andrews. And consider this, as we enter, uh, well, at least another four weeks of lockdown, the essential repair work is continuing. It has not been thwarted by that lockdown. Consider our small groups meeting on Zoom about this building work, uh, repairing work. Uh, it reads just like Nehemiah 3, actually. 
Listen to this. In Warunga, Lionel and Fiona built alongside John. Alongside them in St Ives, Jason, Cindy and Rich built the church. They worked alongside Mike and the Mills in Taramara who were building uh, near the Tays in Beecroft. Alongside them, Brett, Fiona, Stuart and Justin built near Hornsby, uh, who was near Libby building in Warrawee. Meanwhile, back in Warunga, Celia and Ali and Liz and Jan and Hannah built the church there and they served nearby Burke and Pete next to them. Tim, Lisa, Chris and John were, were building near Sharon and Jono and Sophie. It's quite a sight, isn't it? And when answering this who question, Nehemiah reveals it's not just us together, it's, well, it involves everyone. It takes all sorts. Have a, have a look at uh, Nehemiah 3 verse 8. Uzziel, son of Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. I, I love that. What does a perfume maker know about doors and bolts and bars and bricks and mortar? Probably nothing, but he mucks in and is involved in the work, and uh, that's how it is with God's building project. God's building strategy is to take all sorts and his word prepares us for the work he has in mind for us. And notice it's not just all sorts, sometimes it's whole families. Again, Nehemiah 3 verse 12 this time. Shalom, son of Haloesh, ruler of a half, half district of Jerusalem, repaired next, the next section with the help of his daughters. This project is so big, so vital that it, that it takes whole families and so I want to say to the families of St Andrews Warunga, let me encourage you to raise the agenda of serving in your family. Does your family know why you do what you do here as you serve in the different ministries you're a part of? Do they know if you're a small group leader why your house, when we can this is, gets filled with people in the middle of the week? Do they know why you have people come over for a meal on Sunday, people you, you hardly know? Do they know that as for you and your house, you will serve the Lord? And the work happens uh, not just amongst whole families, but sometimes on the home front. Uh, have a look at Nehemiah 3, verse 23. Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house. Uh, one of the great myths of the building project that is the church is that it all happens in, in this building that I'm in right now, here on the corner of uh, Water and Cleveland Street. But uh, a significant work does happen here. That, that's undeniable. But the project progresses all over the place. Think of the colossal long-term project that many in our church are undertaking in raising their children in the training instruction of the Lord. Think of the, the work of caring for aging parents. Think of the work of Christian friendship. This is the work that God has prepared or repaired us in advance to do. And sometimes the building project involves jobs that just aren't that appealing. <laughs> Have a look at verse 14, perhaps my favourite verse in Nehemiah 3. The dung gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the ruler of the district of beth Hakarim. A ruler did that job. He mucks in. And if you're curious as to what the dung gate is, if you're imagining a worst-case scenario for what that gate may be used for, you're right on the money. But Malkijah gets in, and he does it. Something that's seen beneath the rulers of, uh, well, verse 5, if you look at them, who refuse to stoop to such levels. The reality is when it comes to the tasks handed out by our God, there is no other status other than the one he gives us, that we are his people, that we are one in Christ, that we are saved by grace alone. And so there are plenty of background jobs 
unnoticed jobs, even ugly jobs, but all crucial for clearing the way for the gospel of the Lord Jesus to build his church. You know, building projects are a dime a dozen in our world. Humans love building big things. Uh, And often it's for the sake of our own name. It's always been that way. You go back in the scriptures to Genesis 11 and there you see a, a similarly united group of people building a tower and they're building it well for the sake of their own name. And so as we undertake God's building project here in Wurunga, as we build the church here, let us be very clear whose project we're in on and who it's for. There will always be for us the temptation to make the part we play all about ourselves. And so let us be careful. Let us be careful about who we build for and what we build with. Uh, St Andrews Warunga is a partnership of builders, broken-hearted for our city as Nehemiah was, knee-bended in prayer as Nehemiah was, committed to the honour of our God's name, speaking his word of grace into this community and watching as he builds something that not even the gates of hell can overcome. Now, I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment. Uh, I want to encourage the youth to remember to to head straight to their Zoom uh, after I pray. And for the rest of us, uh, we're going to hear our next song, Sorrow Fades. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are at work to this very day, that you will continue that work until it is complete. We thank you that we can be confident in that. We thank you that in your kindness you repair us to be prepared to be part of that work with you. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen.